a ghost, a terrifying specter from beyond the grave, haunts a dentist office in Germany. And then, every great villain has a great origin story. Today, we take a look at the origin story of Harvey Weinstein's penis. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. That's what I would normally say. Dude, I just recorded. Let's get real here for a second. I just recorded. This is the second to last episode of season 13. I recorded what might have been the cringiest episode I've ever recorded. I spent a good 30, 40 minutes in the haunted closet. It's a great recording space. It's not very comfortable. It's cramped. It's hot. There's a ghost in here. There's a literal ghost in here. It was so bad. The episode was so terrible. 35, 40 minutes, two stories. The the Patreon supporter was a cookie at some point. I mean, it was a full episode, but then I had a... It was bad. It was so bad, and I had to scrap it. And now I'm starting over from scratch. This is a daily show, and it's just one dude. You guys help me financially. You guys help me finding stories. So I never want to discount that. The recording process, the editing process, it's just one guy. So for me to waste a half hour in a haunted closet, for me to give the ghost an extra half hour to try to possess me, and other than that, it being 90 degrees in here. But why am I telling you this? Am I just crying? Because I'm about to introduce our Patreon supporter. I'll probably introduce him as a cookie again. The reason why I'm telling you guys this is that I want you guys to think about what you're doing. We're bringing it back to this. Yes, the 90-day challenge. The 90-day challenge. I'm going to take two weeks off. I'm going to rest. I'm going to play State of Decay 2. I'm going to rejuvenate myself. I'm going to go in one of those chambers from Wanted and get healed. That's a that's a reference that like three people get. The actor in the movie's like, what? I don't even get the reference. But when I come back in two weeks, I want you guys, I know we're doing 90 Days to a Better You, but when I come back in two weeks, I want to get inundated with emails from you guys. Not during my vacation, not during my vacation, but after my vacation, I want to get emails from you guys telling me how successful the last two weeks have been. Even if it's just baby steps. Even if it's just baby steps. Because life's about moving forward. Life's about getting better. And I can almost guarantee, no, I'm not going to make that guarantee. That episode I recorded that was super cringy, it honestly was probably better than some of my early episodes. Uh, I don't know. But what we're going to do to show growth is I'm going to hang on to that cringy episode. And I'm going to play it at the end of season 14. We're going to play this Like, I don't want to hear that terrible episode. I definitely don't want to hear it 50 episodes from now. We're going to play it at the end of season 14. Because it's all about growth, man. I can guarantee you that this episode I'm about to record right now, looking back at the end of season 14, I will think this episode could be better. I will think this episode wasn't good enough. Right now, it's the best episode I can produce. (laughs) Definitely the best episode I can produce today because I just did a whole episode. But you know what I mean? You only get better by doing, and sometimes you only get better by failing. But you can't even fail if you don't try. (laughs) If you don't try, you won't fail. And if you don't fail, you won't get better. So take 
maybe this is making, maybe this is the worst motivational speech ever. Maybe I'm a coach and all the players are looking at each other. They're like, what? You're telling us to lose the game? And then, and then 50 episodes from now, you want us to watch us losing the game? Maybe it's not making sense. Maybe the heat is getting to me. But what I'm saying is sometimes you're going to fail. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid. You're like, Jason, that's such an original thought. I've never heard that before. But don't. <laughs> don't do not do that. Don't do that. Maybe I'm just rationalizing the fact that I just wasted 35 minutes coming into Dead Rabbit Command. <laughs> coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now is our Patreon supporter. It's T-Mad. He's a cookie. <laughs> He's rolling in. He's a giant. No, in the other episode, he was half human, half cookie. T-Mad, you're half human, half cookie. The upper half of your body will be a cookie and you got your legs walking around, but then nothing else. You're just human legs and a cookie. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. T-Mad is not only a Patreon supporter, he actually supported my Thanksgiving live stream by doing a donation. That's another way you can financially support the show. But if you guys can't financially support the show, I say this every episode and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, that's fine. You don't have to financially support the episode. I get it. Not everyone can financially support shows. But if you're not doing that, spread the word about the show. Start threads on Reddit. Uh, what other stuff can you do online? Talk about it in forums. Talk about it in real life as well. But the internet is our oyster. Spread the word of Dead Rabbit Radio all through the internet. That's a long introduction. It's been a long day. But I hope you guys are still with me because we got a lot of interesting stuff. T-Mad, the Cookie Man. We're going to toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Robot. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed out to Germany. Splush. Splush. We're going. The water is making Team Adol soggy. That was a joke from the first draft to do. <laughs> he got soggy and he became a soggy championship cookie and I started eating him. It was weird. It was a weird episode. It was super weird. But anyways, don't be afraid to fail. You can't fail if you don't try. And if you don't try and don't fail, you won't succeed. Whatever. We're in Germany. T-Mad's like, I'm out. T-Mad is walking. He's going to go get some bratwurst. And he's going to pronounce it correctly. And he's also going to get some pretzels. We're walking around Germany. And it is the year 1981. It's summer. It's nice, hot summer in Neutribling. That's in Regensburg in Germany. And there's a little dentist office. And it's operated by dentist Kurt Batscheitz. I'm pretty sure that's not how you pronounce that either. But Dennis Kurt, Dr. Kurt. One day, he's on the phone. Patient's making an appointment. Yeah, dude, I need my teeth pulled out. And doctor's like, that's what I'm here for. And as they're having the conversation, hey, dummy. Dr. Kurt's like, did you just call me a dummy? And the patient's like, no, I didn't say anything. I, I didn't hear anything. Hey, dummy, you big old galoot. I'm going to punch you in the nose. He's like, what in the world? Hangs up. He's like a super rude patient. I'm going to pull out extra teeth on him. I'm going to put baby teeth in him and pull him out. That'll show him to make fun of me. But over the next couple weeks, when Dr. Kurt would be on the phone, hey, you have a funny last name. It sounds sounds weird. Bert Scheitz. He's like, that's not how you pronounce my name. He's hearing this stuff all the time. You doom cough. You smell like cottage cheese. Now, you might think I'm making these up, and I am. You might think I'm making up intentionally bad insults. These insults were not very clever. He was told that he was pooping his pants. He was told... What, what was one of them? I had never heard anyone insulted like this. Uh, you, he, They called him a Prussian croissant. Maybe that's a real cutting 
insult in Germany in 1981, but otherwise it's just kind of puzzling and makes me hungry. Dr. Kurt is getting all of these bizarre childlike insults thrown at him while he's on the phone. So Dr. Kurt calls the police and says, hey, someone I think is intercepting my phone line. I hear these voices when I'm on the phone. It's not a voice that I'm making. And the cops test it out and they start getting insulted. So the cops, they, you know, they're police officers. They can like arrest people, but you can't arrest a phone. Uh, you can arrest the person on the phone, but they have to find them first. So they actually are trying to figure out who could be making these phone calls. And it's always, they would be calling someone else and a voice would interrupt them. So they end up calling the local utility company. They're testing all the lines. They can't figure out what it is. They replace every single phone line leading into the dentist office. They're still getting the voice. They start setting up these things called technical traps to try to figure where the signal is coming from. They're still getting the voice. And they can't figure it out. So at this point, everyone is in agreement that this is most likely a poltergeist. This is most likely a ghost. And this, I should have said this earlier. <laughs> I should have said this earlier. This voice refers to itself as Chopper. I'm Chopper and you stink. It said. And so they think it's this ghost named Chopper, which is admittedly a pretty badass name, right? If you're going to be a ghost, it's way better than Casper or Slimer. So Chopper is doing all this stuff now, eventually, and we've seen this before in paranormal reports, the power gets stronger. It's now no longer using the phone. You'll be walking through the dentist's office, phone safely on the hook, and you'll hear... I can't even think of child. I can't even think of dumb enough insults that we know Chopper is using. You're walking by the bathroom, and it's like, "Hey, you stink!" And you'd look, and obviously, first you smell yourself. You're like, "Oh no, I don't!" And then you notice the voice was coming from the toilet. Which talk about calling the kettle black? Do toilets stink? Now that I think about it, my toilets never smelled. I don't think toilets themselves smell. Then they hear the voice coming from drain pipes. They even hear it coming from electrical outlets. So this is definitely growing in power, whatever it is. Dr. Kurt spends 30000 the equivalent of around $30,000, to retrofit the whole office. He's trying to figure out what's going on. They can't figure it out. Now, around this time, two things happen. The police set up a unit called Sokogeist. And it's a group of criminal police officers, not police officers who are actually criminals. These aren't just beat cops. These are actual investigative, criminal investigative police officers. So they've created a unit to figure out what this ghost is. Is it real? What does it want? <laughs> Do I really stink? It wants to know all those things. It wants to know, are the insults true? Did I really poop my pants? And at the same time this unit is set up, this story goes worldwide. It was a local news story for a while. At this point, we're in 1982. This started in the summer of 1981. We're now in January, February of 1982. It's a worldwide news story. Parapsychologists are debating it. They're coming from around the world to visit the place. Journalists from Japan, USA are coming there. It's all over the news. So this has been going on for about eight months at this point. This mysterious voice insulting people coming from nowhere. Now, I left out a key detail to this. I didn't lie about anything. Everything I said was true. I, I left out a key detail, though. It's a key detail that everyone else in the world knew, though, back then. Back then, not, not everyone knows it now, but you. You're like, what, 7 billion people know this and I don't? What's the secret? Back then, in every news article, it had this fact. 
In every story, it had this fact. I only hid it from you for dramatic effect. Dr. Kurt did not work alone. Dr. Kurt worked with a 16-year-old girl named Claudia, and this voice, Chopper, would insult everybody in the dentist office but her. <laughs> now, this was widely reported. This was widely reported in every article. Dr. Kurt had a 16-year-old assistant. Perfect prank age, right? <laughs> like, that's the age. If you're not pulling pranks by 16, there's no hope for you. There's just nothing left for you. 16-year-old girl, which again, also girls, notorious tricksters. 16-year-old girl. This voice insults everybody but her. It'll be like, did you poop your pants? Officer, that child who died, you haven't solved that murder. And then it'd be like, Claudia, I love you. You're so pretty. And that hair, oh, it's so nice. Every police officer was fully aware of the fact that he had a 16-year-old female assistant. Every officer was fully aware of the fact that the ghost always complimented her and made fun of everyone else. Every news article was fully aware of that. And this wasn't reported in the news, but this is something the police officers were fully aware of on the scene. This went on for eight months, by the way. Every time Chopper would talk, every single time Chopper would talk when there was a witness there, police officer would be standing there and he, he's purposely pooping his pants. He's like, let's see if this makes Chopper appear. Urgh. Every single time, Claudia would turn around and then Chopper would go, oh, I think you just pooped your pants, Officer Stinky. And then she would turn back around. She's like, oh my God, did you hear that? And they'd be like, oh my God, there's a poltergeist. Every single time. She's like, hold on, I got something in my teeth. I gotta turn around. She turns around. She's like pretending to take something out of her teeth. You are gross. But Claudia, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. And you got that out of your teeth. And she turns around. She's like, how did it know I had something in my teeth? But the cops still don't break the case. The cops, every single time she turns around is when they hear the voice. And the cops still don't put two and two together. But they have a date. This is such a breaking true, true crime story. It was March 3rd, 1982. There was a police officer. There were police officers. They were searching. They searched 55 adjacent apartments in the building where this dentist office was. They had people in the sewer checking lines. But it was on March 3rd, 1982. A police officer was standing in the dentist office. And he saw Claudia turn around. And he go, he probably didn't think, oh, the chopper's about to talk. He didn't even think about that. But when he saw Claudia turn around, he could see her reflection in the mirror. And saw her lips moving, perfectly matching what Chopper was saying. It was all a fraud. Chopper, are you shocked? Are you shocked? Chopper never existed. They should have figured that out. Once they walked into the room, the guy's like, yeah, it's weird. I'm getting these prank phone calls. And they, they walk into the dentist's office and there's a 16-year-old girl there. They should have been like, she did it. She, she's most likely doing it or her friends or something like that. But no, this went on for eight months. Here is what happened. The dentist and Claudia found out through some fluke that because of the tiled floor and the way that the dentist office was set up, it was like in this apartment complex, that you could throw your voice really, really easily. 
You just had to like change it a bit and angle it, and it would actually sound like it was coming from another part of the dentist. It was a parlor trick. So the so Dr. Kurt, we don't know. They never admitted why they did it. Some people think he was doing it to drum up business, but who wants to go to a haunted dentist office? Like, sure, you might go there to hear the voice, but then he's like, you want me to, you want me to give you some fillings? You're like, no, nah, I'm good. It's not really a spur-of-the-moment thing. Some people say that she did it. Claudia came up with the idea because she wasn't getting any attention, which is possible. But why did he go along with it? Both of them say, yes, we faked the voice in the dentist office, but we didn't fake the telephone voice. They say what happened is first they were getting prank phone calls from somebody. The very, very beginning. Before he called the cops, he says he was getting prank phone calls. And this is when we bring in Dr. Kurt's wife. Apparently, Dr. Kurt's wife was jealous of the 16-year-old girl. So she began calling up her husband and threatening him. Or Claudia had two suitors, two boyfriends, who were jealous of Dr. Kurt and were calling him up to threaten him. They don't know, but they said we were getting prank phone calls in the beginning. And that's what gave us the idea to do the throwing the voice thing. I don't know how she was able to throw her voice and intercept the phone call when the cops were there. That was her. But apparently before all of this started, it started with some prank phone calls. So what happened with all of this? Obviously, they all look like a bunch of buffoons, right? And so did the police. And so did every journalist who spent any time covering this story. I can understand being curious about it, but again, the second you walked in there and saw a 16-year-old girl turn around every time you heard the voice, you should have figured it out. Claudia got fined 1,500 Deutschmarks. Um, Dr. Kurt and his wife got fined 35,000 Deutschmarks, which is about like $15,000 in U.S. money. The stress was so much on Dr. Kurt and his wife, they actually checked themselves into a psychiatric hospital. And I'm assuming eventually they checked themselves out. But there's no news. Claudia, she has disappeared. But not in a spooky way. Not in like a spooky, interesting way. She basically just changed her name and disappeared into Germany. So you could be sitting next to Claudia right now. You happen to be in Germany right now. And you, let's see, she was 16 in 1981. So that would be, she'd be like in her 56 or something like that now. You're sitting next to a 56-year-old German woman. That could be Chopper. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's like a million. Actually, it would be like, what, 400 million and one or whatever the population of Germany is. I don't think it's 400 million, but it's a lot in one. It's a lot to one. But that's the story of Chopper, and I, I like that story. And I also, let me give a shout out, too. I hadn't heard about this story until I came across the Reddit post from the user Maytel. So thank you. This was something that I never heard of. It's pretty obscure. I like this story because whenever we hear about ghosts, a lot of times like people think I'm too skeptical. I actually think I'm not skeptical enough, honestly. If you listen to early episodes, I was way more skeptical. But you just read the stuff all the time, and you're like, yeah, maybe. Da, da, da. I like you kind of. I've kind of opened my mind up more. I used to believe everything, and then I became super skeptical, and now I'm kind of in between. But this is the type of stuff that makes people skeptical. And I think, honestly, more often than not, most ghost stories, this is the answer. I honestly think most ghost stories are either misidentification or this. And and I, that goes with UFO and Bigfoot. And you would go, well, why would people make up these stories? Why would they open themselves up to ridicule? They want attention. 
I mean, ridicule is at least some sort of attention, right? Like, if, if I was calling people out and making fun of them, it's attention. To you and me, it might seem like negative attention, but negative attention to some people is better than no attention at all. So I really wonder, I, I don't want to put a number on it, but I really wonder how many paranormal stories are just fake. 100% fake. And it sucks. Um, but it, it sucks overall, but when we can find them like this, I think it's pretty funny. Like, I think, like, if, if, I've always thought about that, when you die, and you're floating off to heaven, and Jaffy Duck's on a cloud next to you, let's say you're a huge Bigfoot guy, you're a Bigfoot hunter, you spend your whole life, you're fascinated by Bigfoot from the age of 12, and then you're 73, you die. And as you're going into heaven, as you're going into the afterlife, all of the world's mysteries are being revealed to you, and you find out that Bigfoot's not real. That it was all fake. Every single sighting was either misidentification, somebody making it up, someone pulling a prank. That would suck. <laughs> that would be super disappointing, right? If you just knew as a fact they were all fake. But if you can look at individual stories, I think it's interesting to hear a ghost story and then find out how they faked it or why it was faked. I find that stuff interesting. I believe in ghosts. I've seen stuff like that. I've seen a lot of supernatural stuff, but I still like hearing about the hoaxes, how they're pulled off and things like that. I don't want to hear that they're all fake, but we got to admit some of them are. And I think this story is interesting because it shows how easy it is to fool hundreds of people over the course of eight months. It wasn't a one night thing. T-Mad, let's call in that carpenter copter. We are leaving behind this dentist's office. I got, I got a grill. I got brand new diamond teeth put in. I got my grill put in. It was weird. Some light just shined in my haunted closet. This is, is this is legitimately haunted closet, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to forget the supernatural light that just descended upon me. T-Mad, let's hop in that carpenter copter, grow some cookie arms. We are leaving behind Germany. I got my new grill. I'm going to take a big old bite out of your shoulder. <sighs> Fly us out of here. We are headed to Beverly Hills. <laughs> I have this ad read here for Murderberry Wynn. I'm going to just not do it this time because I'm going to tell you right now, Murderberry Wynn is a really, just in my own words, is a really, really dope movie. It's about three friends. They're these game designers, and they've come up with this perfect game. It's like a, a game like Clue, but you're the murderer. And these guys, they've built this game from scratch, and they're trying to get it crowdfunded. But a set of mysterious events happens, and they are brought to the doorstep of a stranger who offers to make all their dreams come true. But what happens is they stumble across through another set of events, a dead body. And they have to make a choice. Deal with the life-altering circumstances of that dead body or try to cover it up. And they use the rules of their own game to do so. Would you have the stomach to dispose of a corpse? Based on rules you Googled to put into a card game? Find out on Murder, Barry Wynn. And you can pre-order it now at MurderBarryWynn.com. It's a really, really good movie. Feature-length debut film by Michael Loven, I believe, I think was his name. Fellow Patreon, Dead Rabbit supporter, and close personal friend of mine, Carson, also worked on the movie. 
Really, really good film. Murder, Barry Wynn. Check it out. And if you don't pre-order it, if you don't pre-order if you pre-order it, you get a free deck of the cards that they use in the game. But if you don't pre-order it, you'll definitely want to rent it. You'll definitely want to rent it when it comes out because it is it's a very, very good movie. It's getting great reviews. So that is my read. That's 100% authentic, my read of it. And it was really, really good. Team Ad, you're flying this carpenter copter over Beverly Hills. We are back in the year 2012. Specifically, it's November 2012. Now, before we get started on this story, I actually covered a bit of this on episode 381. The Return of Hans Wormhat was that episode. That episode's interesting because it came out on February 4th, 2020. I was actually listening to it again. I was going to include it as a bonus episode and might in the future. But it came out on February 4th, 2020, about a month before the lockdowns began. And the first story is about the coronavirus. And it's specifically about fake news surrounding all the video footage coming out of China, showing all of this horrible stuff in China, bodies shaking on gurneys, people being locked into their houses and stuff like that. And it's an interesting episode. It's an inter- interesting time capsule of an episode because I, I keep going, I don't know. I don't think millions of people are going to die. And at that time, we were predicting, like, you know, tens of millions of people dying. I know a lot of people have died, but... Um, it cut. And it's an interesting time capsule because I'm working on the information that I have then, and we definitely have more. We had more information just a month later, but it's an interesting time capsule of an episode. But the second story, The Return of Hans Wormhat, specifically talks about his theory. Hans Wormhat is a guy that we've covered quite a few times on the show. He believes that um, men, put it in a nutshell, is that a word? Is that a term? (laughs) Put it in a nutshell? No pun intended either. That all men are women and all women are men, except for a small minority. I am a woman because I am chubby. And he is a man. He's actually a man who is a man because he's thin. So if you're a chubby man, you actually, your, your gender was changed at birth. So I'm really a woman. And this is actually a this is actually a conspiracy theory that is really blown up just in the past year. It's called transvestigation. It's an observational conspiracy theory. You show pictures of celebrities and go, that looks like a woman. And it's like the rock, but because the rock has big pecs, aka boobs, the rock is a woman. Vin Diesel's a woman and he put on some weight, so there was this whole thing about Vin Diesel was a pregnant woman. It's actually a very growing conspiracy theory. And the reason why I was talking about it again, because it's hilarious, right? Because it's hilarious. Do I need any other reason? But Harvey Weinstein was in the news back in 2020 because during his trial, they showed photographs of his genitalia. And one of his victims, she said she, when she saw Harvey Weinstein, she actually felt sorry for him because it's just a, it was just a total mess down there. It was straight up clam chowder. Like stuff was missing. There were skin grafts. She said it looked like he had extensive scarring in his genital region. She said it looked like he just really wasn't even male. So I covered that because I go, I'm surprised Hans Wormhat isn't all over this because here's a huge Hollywood player. Even though he's completely disgraced, even though he's a monster, he still was an A-list Hollywood player as a producer being identified as not a man in court documents. I go, how is Hans Wormhat not all over this? But then I kind of filed in the back of my head. I don't keep Harvey Weinstein's genitals on my mind until today, (laughs) until the other day, actually. It was the other day I came across an article. It's November 2012. We are at the Beverly Hilton Hotel. There's a young woman there. Her name is Haley Grip. She's 19 years old. 
she's just there. She's having a quick snack, having a granola bar, reading a book. She's going to a casting call soon. The casting call's like down the street, but you know, this is a good place to just kind of chill and relax. This woman walks up to her. Let's call her Betty. I don't know her actual name, but Betty walks up to Haley and says, Hey, um, mind if I sit here and eat a granola bar with you? I don't know how she broke that. <laughs> it doesn't say how she broke the ice. Nice t-shirt. Mind if I sit down? Betty comes down and starts chatting with Haley and starts to ask, you know, what are you doing in town? How's the book? Stuff like that. And Haley, it's nice to have a friend, right? Haley starts talking to her and says, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make it. I'm actually a hair model. I do a lot of modeling as part of my thing. You see photographs of people with hair? <laughs> Grudge movies? That was all me. I was all that creepy hair. She goes, I have the casting call down the street. I'm just here kind of hanging out. And she starts to kind of open up. They have this long conversation. And Haley tells Betty, yeah, I also, you know, one of the struggles I have is I have Tourette's syndrome. I have Tourette's syndrome. Now, that's not always like in the movies. She wasn't screaming out cuss words. She wasn't like Chopper from the first story. Tourette's isn't always vocal. Sometimes it's uh, physical twitches. Sometimes it's facial twitches. It could be a whole specter of things. But she does, they, that would make it hard to be an actor um, if you had facial tics and things like that. Not impossible, but it would just be harder. She tells Betty all this stuff. And Betty goes, you know what? You got this big casting call going on. I actually know like in this banquet hall, there's a bunch of like industry vets there. They're having this huge breakfast. They're having this huge morning meal. Well, let's go in there. Let's crash it. Let's do some girl stuff and go eat some pancakes. If that's what girls do, I don't know. I'm assuming women eat pancakes. So uh, Haley goes, yeah, sure. You know, this granola bar is not really cutting it. And who's going to pass up pancakes? So they go there and they're eating breakfast and they're doing all this stuff. <laughs> they're having a pillow fight. It's like a straight up sleepover. They're watching Halloween 3. And then after all of that, Betty goes, listen, I need to have that casting call, but I'm going to tell you something right now. I know a guy. He's actually staying in this hotel right now. I could probably arrange a meeting with him. He can make your career. This casting call thing is nothing. This guy, this is the guy you want to talk to. So she goes up. Her interest is definitely peaked at this point. And Betty and Haley go upstairs, go to this hotel room. And in the hotel room, she sees Harvey Weinstein. She doesn't recognize Harvey Weinstein. Back in 2012, even today, I don't know how many people would recognize him. I think more people would. But back in 2012, back before all the allegations, I think only film buffs. I could recognize Harvey Weinstein on the spot. I could not recognize Bill Gates. We've talked about that before. Bill Gates could appear in my haunted closet right now. I'd be like, ah, it's a nerd. But, like, I would totally recognize Harvey Weinstein because I'm more of a film guy than a computer guy. But she didn't. And he didn't introduce himself as Harvey Weinstein. He introduced himself as Dom. He's all, my name's Dom Toretto. I'm a pregnant woman. He introduced himself as Dom. And he offers her a glass of wine. Now, she says, I'm only 19. I'm actually not old enough to drink. And at that point... Betty, her friend that she's met, you know, I don't know how much time has passed. Let's say an hour. They had all these conversations. They ate a full breakfast, got extras, got seconds on pancakes. Betty says, it's rude to refuse a drink when someone's offered you hospitality and fed you. Like she's done all these things for her. You're going to turn down a drink. It's the morning. You know, it's not it's not like it's late at night. Like, what's the worst that can happen? So Haley starts drinking this glass of wine. 
She says through the course of this conversation, she's drinking the wine, they're talking about the industry. She's starting to get drowsy. And then she, in her terms, briefly blanks out. And when she starts to kind of realize what's going on, she is pinned down to a coffee table and Harvey Weinstein is on top of her. He, I don't even want, he's, I don't, I mean, I know it's a true crime podcast, but there's stuff that I don't even like to talk about. But without going into incredible detail, he's raping her. He tells her, this is so bizarre. He tells her basically just go with the flow and quote, pretend I'm someone like Zac Efron. She's struggling to get herself out of this predicament physically. And her arms are flailing around. And she has these long acrylic nails. And as she's flailing around, and as Harvey is trying to hold her down, her hand hits the coffee table. And one of the nails breaks. Doesn't break completely off. But becomes jagged. And in in, in a move that I think I would only appreciate like Batman or Snake Eyes being able to pull off. Harvey Weinstein's genitals are exposed. She is able, throughout all of this chaos that's going on, she is perfectly able to aim that finger and it tears into his testicles. There's a quote here. I'm going to read this quote from this article written by John Levine for page six. He got this stuff from the actual court documents because this is a case that's coming up. Weinstein let out a quiet scream and grabbed her hand inadvertently causing her nail to move up and inward deeper into his scrotum. So now it's like her fingertip. Her fingertip is inside there. The nail has already penetrated the nutsack. Her fingertip is on this dude's balls on the inside. Blood is pouring out. He pushes her away and she uses this opportunity to get out of there. He grabs a towel and is trying to soak up the blood. The second she gets out of the hotel room, Betty is standing outside of the door, almost like she was guarding it. Betty tells her that what happened in there is your fault. It's your Tourette syndrome. You're crazy. And if you tell anyone what happened, you're going to end up in a psychiatric hospital. Haley just runs out of the hotel. She actually did not report this crime. She wasn't part of the multi-million dollar settlement that a hundred other women were part of. She wasn't part of that huge trial. This is going to be something separate. And when she tells this story, people go, now we know why his genitals are mutilated. But you go, Jason, just a fingernail in your testicle. I mean, unless she's Wolverine, right? She didn't just rip it to pieces. Well... There is a thing. Do not Google this, by the way. I, I was reading this story late at night in bed. Googled it. Not the images you want to see before you go to bed. There is a disease known as Fournier's gangrene. Now, we all know what gangrene is. It's uh, basically it's a flesh-eating virus. It's like when circulation gets cut off to a body part. It gets gross and smelly and... Um, you know, your feet will fall off, it'll turn black and things like that. Fournier's gangrene is specifically that, but only for your testicles. It's only for your penis, your testicles, the perineum, all that stuff. It's when you get a cut 
You guys are going to be super scared from now on. If you get a cut or a nick anywhere around there, it can get fungus in it. It can get a virus, a bacteria, just some little bacteria is hanging out in your underwear waiting for the perfect moment to strike. And in incredibly quickly, it becomes the flesh-eating virus. It begins to rot away the skin down there. Now, best case scenario, you catch it early on, they give you an IV, give you a bunch of antibiotics, you're fine. Worst case scenario, you are Harvey Weinstein. They had to amputate his testicles. He required skin grafts all along his penis. And before he had sex, he had one of his personal assistants have to inject this medication into him, into his dick, to get it hard. Which begs the question, we know he is a rapist. He's been found guilty of that. He required an injection before the rapes. Shouldn't his personal assistants be accountable for all this stuff? Shouldn't they be co-conspirators? Some of them have gone on to very lucrative careers. Now, I'm not saying everyone who ever worked for Harvey Weinstein has injected his penis right before he raped somebody, but some of them did. And if I sell a gun to someone who shouldn't deserve a gun, like a felon, and they go out and murder someone with it, or a kid and they murder someone with it, then I can be held criminally accountable. So why aren't these personal assistants who are injecting him with rape juice being held personally accountable. But she basically destroyed his genitals with just a gash. Now, this story here still has to work its way through court. This story here is still allegations. It would make sense, though, because the woman who was testifying against him in court and said it looked like everything was messed up down there, that was in 2013. That was a year after this event. And it did come out... Later on in the trial, people were wondering, dude, why, why is everything all messed up down there? It did turn out he did have Fournier's gangrene, but they never knew how he got it. You can get it by having certain factors, being obese, uh, <laughs> getting cut down there, having pet badgers attack you between the legs, um, not being clean. There are risk factors for that. But a big risk factor is trying to rape people and then getting punched in the balls with a broken fingernail. And then grabbing that hand and pushing it deeper in. So it's an allegation. It'll work its way through the court system. But it is an allegation that makes sense. We know he's a rapist. And we know that everything's chopped up down there. The reason why I wanted to cover this story is obvious. One, it's completely disgusting. But two, it's a story of justice. It's a story of justice. Aren't we always talking about, man... If all those rapists and all those pedophiles and all those people, they put me in a cell with them for 10 minutes. I'll show them what's what. I'll take care of them. But, you know, we, we know that that's not the real world. We, we actually can't do that. So the second best thing is them losing their source of power. Them losing their Castle Grayskull. This man, he preyed on women for years, for decades. They were just paying them off. They had a special set in the organization, in the Weinstein organization, that was taking care of all of these non-disclosure agreements, just funneling money out to these women he was abusing. And then this woman, that this Betty character, we don't actually know her name. She's unidentified. It was a random person working for the Weinstein organization. Picks this woman out of the crowd because she's alone. 
because she's young. Young people don't know any better. Oh, she has Tourette's? No jury will believe her. Those people are cuckoo. And they pluck this woman. They feed her. They become her friend. Hey, we can make all your dreams come true. You just got to come up and have a meeting with this guy. And she punched him in the balls so hard they fell off. That's justice. That's just pure justice. Unfortunately, he was still protected. And he was still able to engage in this disgusting activity for another, what, seven years after this? But every time he looked down, every time that he looked at his mangled genitals, every time that needle had to pierce his penis just so he could get an erection, he knew the reason for that. He picked on the wrong girl. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.